I mean, I guess it makes sense. Like the form factor of the animal. Yeah. You kind of can't carry the young any other way besides in your mouth. <laughs> uh, welcome to that Unspeace <laughs> Gaming. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah, pretty good, pretty good, pretty good, pretty good. Uh, I'm your elder gamer, Jonathan. Oh, man. You know the best part? I did a lot of pre-planning picking out which gamer I was going to be mm-hmm. for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess now I'm your forgetful gamer, Logan. That's uh, where <laughs> I'm at. It was a, it was a good joke, I promise. Uh, mm-hmm, put mm-hmm. chalk it up to the good ratings. Everybody was gonna have a good chuckle, but alas. Yep, yep. It's crash a, and burn, uh, just like a certain television show. Oh, ooh, topical, ooh, humor. topical, just the most topical. Yeah, 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 mm. yeah. Mm. But we're not a Game of Thrones cast, unlike what most of <laughs> games media would have you believe. Literally every games media podcast right now. Oh man, oh, is... uh, it's been. Uh, it's been such a bummer to see Vice Games be tweeting out so much Game of Thrones oh, stuff. Oh, it's unreal. I don't know who's responsible was... for that Twitter account now, but yeah, there's been a lot of it. and it's. I imagine Kato still runs some of it. I would but... imagine, too. Anyway, welcome to our Waypoint fan cast. <laughs> True, literally. Is there a new front? Former Waypoint. <laughs> the, the podcast formerly known as Waypoint. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, is there a... Is there a FromSoft game coming out too? We can get all of our fan casts kind of in one. Actually, yeah. I mean, we're not a news show. Wait, but... really? Yeah. Oh, so, cool. So big rumors stirring this week that were pretty well substantiated that <laughs> none other than George Railroad Martin is working with FromSoft to make a Viking, an open world Viking game oh. that is supposed to be unveiled at E3. Heck yeah, I'll play that. I'm there Crazy, for it, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it's not—it's yeah. not what I necessarily would hope from an ex from soft game. But they—we right. knew they were working on another game. Like that's not a we knew, huge surprise. Yeah, we knew they have multiple projects in the works. Yeah, um, they have several sub teams now, mm-hmm. um, which is great. I mean, most <sighs> most studios do have like. Even a studio that is only technically working on one game at a time, like they will have a pre-production team always working on next concepts right um even while big main game is in production but as far as FromSoft goes i'm pretty sure they have maybe now three full production teams at least two because sekiro and this game we know for sure and i know Um, last year uh what's the game called that they released it wasn't like a real game uh was it is it pronounced durasane uh, something like that yeah yeah, yeah yeah when they released that they talked about how they were working on at least two mm-hmm. full projects so Sekiro and then yeah. presumably this uh, open world Viking which wouldn't have been my pick I yeah it's strange they but, they uh, own armored core like that's they yeah. did that mm-hmm. so let mm-hmm. me pitch this to you let me give you a slow smooth pitch all right for the game armored I want to see uh please Mekiro <laughs> yeah. batter, batteries die twice <laughs> I'm in. What are we saying? I mean, I think that's pretty good, right? I'm in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spelled S-O-U-L-D, of course. Sold. Mm, mm. Unfortunately. Mm. Yeah. The puns in the industry anyway. have been bad this year. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we the, the rumors are that, that will get announced at Xbox's presentation in a couple weeks at E3. So. Cool. Are they aiming for we'll – I mean, I was going to ask if it's going to be exclusive, but there's not really any Xbox exclusives anymore, so – no, and again, these are all rumors, pretty unverified. Yeah. The the only like true hard fact that we know is George Railroad Martin has said that he is he's been collaborating with a game that's coming out of Japan. Yeah. So that doesn't mean too too much, but but uh, uh yeah, but yeah. But, the rumors are that it will be cross-platform. Microsoft is just going to have like the the marketing push for it. Cool, which happens a lot. I mean, it happened with Destiny and all that, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's about to happen with PlayStation now too. <laughs> Microsoft yeah. will be handling all of that through Azure, from what I understand. Yeah, super super interesting. I mean, the announcement it made a lot of waves. This strategic partnership between Sony and Microsoft, but. It's difficult to say what will be substantive out of that. Well, it's difficult because I know that one of the things that they've talked about specifically is that this is an attempt to use 
Microsoft's Azure platform to right. bolster the PlayStation's streamability, uh, yeah. which makes sense. But uh, did you see that? I think it was The Verge ran the article that, um, that nobody told the PlayStation team <laughs> about that. Uh, I did not hear that. Weird. Yeah, the PlayStation team was blindsided by this announcement. So uh, presumably this wouldn't be a PS5 change because like hardware stuff is in place Strange. for that. <laughs> so yeah, I mean this this seems extremely um, streaming focused. So mm-hmm. to presumably to put up more of a fight against Google with Stadia, right? Um, because the big the biggest hurdle with streaming is that you have to get the latency as low as possible. And the only way to do that is to get the actual origin of the, the data closer to the person using it, because you right. are literally battling the speed of light. Bat- and so <laughs> yeah. battling the and speed so, of light is a good subline uh, subtitle for, for Mechero. Just putting true, that out there. True, 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 true. Um, it's a good ep- uh, episode title as well. True. Um, <laughs> And so Sony, with PlayStation Now, the service uh, up to now has been fine, but they certainly don't have the number of data centers that a Google or a Microsoft has. Correct. Um, But Sony has had the tech. They bought a company called Gaikai several years ago, um, who was uh, a leader in this sort of uh, streaming interactive media front. and so Sony has quite a bit of technical experience when it comes to streaming games. Mm-hmm. They just don't necessarily have the same infrastructure. So it kind of seems like exclusively with respect to streaming, the dream team with Sony and Microsoft. Totally. So, so it should be interesting. We'll, we'll see how it goes or if it really ever comes to anything like this might never have anything to do with hardware which is why the playstation team wouldn't have really known about it right it this might just have to do with uh sony and microsoft both using the same uh data centers and using the same underlying technology uh that sony provides so yeah this this may not ever mean like oh we get it we get the the uh, the the play box or the you know the x station or whatever i was gonna say all the, of which the sound, box station which would be yeah good. all of which sound very erotic which is just great <laughs> true actually um but yeah it, it it i don't read this as as leading to that future at least it, i mean it's a step towards that but i i don't think people are going to be like oh well ps5 and xbox and xbox 2 or whatever that's going to be it and then afterwards they're together like uh probably not yeah i think that there's a a good number a good amount of fan discourse that is that way i mean jeff keely's probably feeling that way right now (laughs) judging by some of his tweets um but i think speaking generally as like as far as games discourse goes i think everybody's Mm -hmm. pretty much on the same page that this is uh a step towards unification of systems uh i'm interested to see what it does like vis-a-vis exclusives um because while most exclusives are, are deals that are licensed uh, some right. exclusives, particularly indie exclusives, are exclusive because they are limited with certain networking technologies. So I'm interested to see what this does for yeah. cross-play. I'm interested to see what this does for yeah, like great point. indie games yep. and indie multiplayer and things like that. So yeah, if, keeping my eyes open. If it, Yeah, if it works the way it seems like it will, you know, if you're playing Rocket League on PlayStation Now and somebody else is playing it on xCloud... It may literally be running on the same machine in a warehouse. Right. So, well, yeah, cross-play and even cross-saves and things like that could be super possible. So we'll see. I mean, I, for one, am very much not interested in a one-console future. That sounds like a hellscape. Yeah. I mean, it's it's we don't really have a problem in the industry to talk about this week so i guess maybe we can talk about this but it has been weird to see people get excited about the idea that microsoft and sony could combine their console efforts 
That sounds like monopolizing. Well, I was going to say that's like ridiculous levels of collusion in a business sense. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, let's look at this past um, console generation as an example. Xbox came out the gate uh, terribly. Just an absolute disaster. And from then to now, I think you could make a strong case that Microsoft has the better services, the better platform, basically better all around. They have a better controller they have the better, with the Elite. The better console, for sure. Like, the One X is powerful. Oh, with, in the X, yeah. yeah, no question. No question, yeah. Um, like, they have turned it around from being such an insanely obvious choice that you would go with a PlayStation to now being much murkier. If, if I were to buy a console today... Um, ignoring the fact that you know I have a gaming PC and all Microsoft games yes. are now on PC, the so best, I, the best thing ever. <laughs> right, but if you're just in the console space and you're buying a console today, there's not as much reason to buy a PlayStation. It's definitely more up in the air, and that is you know a good thing for the industry overall. It forced Microsoft to do things like backwards compatibility mm. and crossplay and all that kind of stuff which is just better for everybody right. in the end um so moving to a one console future where you know things like like nintendo didn't have cloud saves in the beginning mm-hmm. because cloud saves you know require infrastructure they're not they're not the most difficult thing in the world to implement but they take work so i get why it wasn't there day one but if you are the only company there's much less push to to try to compete on a services level right so yeah i am not at all interested in microsoft and sony combining into one console that sounds terrible yeah but one streaming platform specifically to take on google i'm a little bit less worried about i would i would agree i don't care this is as long as i can play metal gear solid that's as long as i can play the og metal gear solid and try and break into that impossible series that's all i care about right yeah i mean it's still extremely early days so who knows but who knows very interesting all i know is you can play metal gear solid on playstation now and by play i mean press buttons and things will happen in a slightly delayed way (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. well speaking of playing uh, the Segway King over here. Mm. No, uh, I believe Sonic was Logan? the Segway King. <laughs> Excuse me, I, that was my mistake. Sega my is apologies. what they call that company. Right, I'm I'm right, qualified right, right. to do a gaming co- podcast, actually. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I know all my companies got the the Capcoms and the Nintendogs. I think that's it. Yeah. Yep, got it in one. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> what have I been playing? Oh man, mm-hmm. the games have been rough this week uh let's talk you hate to hear it but we always hear it nonetheless mm-hmm. uh you're not a true gamer unless you hate video games is what i is what true. i've heard um yep. so let's talk let's well let's slow pitch with something good i played this week actually okay, okay. uh i dove into final fantasy 7 this nice. week so they recently ported that to switch earlier this year right, right. um and i actually have never played it and have avoided miraculously with all my time in in games discourse and and reading on the internet have somehow miraculously avoided the ending to that game um (laughs) which i realized listening to a uh the podcast formerly known as waypoint (laughs) actually i think the podcast is still waypoint radio um either way probably i uh was listening to them and they started talking about the upcoming final fantasy 7 remake and they were like and then the ending and Rob Zachney was ready to pounce and spoil that ending, and Patrick Klepek was like, no, 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 sir. There are probably people out there who don't know. And it occurred to me that, like, despite my familiarity overall with, like, the themes and the concept of this work, I do not know the ending, uh, which is, like, a hard thing to swing. So I uh, decided I would better dive in before the discourse got thicker around E3 time um, and and try and beat (laughs) this game and see the twist. (laughs) Oh, the discourse will be thick. Mm, it's always thick, and I'll be in it, waiting through mm-hmm. it like so many armed soldiers through a <laughs> sea of shampoo is the metaphor that I was going for. That's a bad metaphor. 
Perfect. Well, let's distract from my bad metaphor to the bad polygons of Final Fantasy VII, uh, which are endearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The game was developed in 97, so this is like a pretty old game at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's it's interesting to see like kind of how it's aged, right? Like, you look at it and like a lot of the themes that are discussed in Final Fantasy VII, I don't know how familiar you are with it, John. Um... Uh... Not much, honestly. I I would say I'm somewhat familiar with overarching themes of like uh, environmentalism mm-hmm. and anti uh, corporatism and things like that. But yeah, as far as like characters, plot, basically not nothing. Yeah. So those themes are are driven a lot harder than I thought they would be. <laughs> um, and it's not. It doesn't feel overbearing necessarily. It's just like you play as Cloud Strife who is, like, a mercenary for hire for some eco-terrorists. Like... Oh, interesting. It's essentially what it is. I mean, you go into... Shinra Corp is the big corporation uh, on this planet, and the early phases of the game task you with blowing up Shinra Corp reactors that are stealing, essentially, the world's energy, um, called Mako energy or Mako energy. Right. Um, And so, like, it's pretty... Like, that theme is not, like, something that is, like, discussed. Like, it's not, like, off to the side there's some pollution. It's like, no, that's like the thing like that you are doing at the beginning of this game is, Interesting. is blowing up corporate like ecology problems, <laughs> which is really yeah. interesting. Um, now, Cloud himself, for those who are familiar, know he's like pretty uh, apathetic to the cause, um, which kind of makes it interesting because it tells you he's there for like other reasons. Uh, some of the characters are really interesting. Uh, there's a character named Barrett, uh, African-American guy who is portrayed... Mm, about as well as you'd expect an African-American guy to be portrayed in the 90s. So not great. Uh, great. Pretty thin character, which... Mm-hmm. I mean, he has depth to him, but he's very stereotyped. And that's... Gotcha. So, yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate. I'm interested to see how they handle that in the remake, uh, is what I'll say. Or mm-hmm. redo, or re-expansion, or whatever it is that they're... <laughs> Reimagining. Yeah, exactly. That's the, that's the word. Uh, whatever yeah. it is they're cooking up over at Square. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty early. I mean, that's a, that is a long game. Uh, Final Fantasy VII, like yeah, most sure. of the Final Fantasies, is I'm sure I'll land somewhere in the sixty to hundred hour range with this one if I, I'm planning it right. So I mean, I actually have no idea, but that's my guess. So yeah, yeah, I'll be in it for a while, but I did want to kind of talk about it early and say that like, uh, it I think it's timely in the sense that like a lot of the themes that they're discussing twenty two years ago hold up actually pretty well yeah I believe today that. like when they start talking about like corporate uh world and like i was gonna say i can't remember the name of the world that this game takes place on <laughs> i was gonna say the yeah. name of that world but <laughs> right, yeah they start right. talking about like the corporation and like the environmental effect and the carbon footprints and things like that it's it's really not that different from uh, a world and a discussion landscape that we find ourselves steeped in now um, so I'm interested to see. I'm interested to see if this will handle its politics well, or if this will be a the division two has no politics kind of moment. For, right. Because I think that a remake is actually pretty timely for this one. Um, so I'm, sure. I'm just really interested yeah. to see uh, how those themes are handled going forward, um, and you will you will hear my take uh, as I progress through this game on how I feel those themes are handled in the original. So yeah, nice. that's kind of where I'm at with Final Fantasy VII. So that's a that's a good yeah, start. Okay. It'll be downhill from here. Uh, Perfect. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. I just wanted to say real quick mm-hmm. that yeah, I have not played Final Fantasy VII at all. So uh, my plan is to play the remake. So uh, oh, uh, that'll be fun. I, I assume I assume you will as yeah. well. So it'll be interesting in that discussion eventually when that game comes out 19 years from now. Um, <laughs> and we'll still be making to, this podcast because we're cursed and we have to <laughs> definitely definitely um uh just how how well those themes translate because mm-hmm. uh, that's what i will care about um i won't particularly care about specific characters or right. specific plot points um so yeah it, it'll be interesting yeah. so help me though there are some characters in this thing that I like already a fair bit. They do my girl Tifa dirty. I'm going to be mad. All right? That's all I got to say. So watch yourselves. Good to know. Watch yourselves, Square. 
Um, I've actually heard some really interesting things about this remake. Uh, Square has been, I don't want to say like dodgy about the topic, but like, you know, Square says things sometimes, like release dates, for example, that just tend to not be like necessarily accurate of the finished product. But from what I understand and from what I've read, indications seem to be that the remake or reimagining will be issued episodically. Have you heard that, Jonathan? Yeah, so that that was the original plan back when this was announced and when it was announced as being developed by CyberConnect. Oh, that's right. Uh, the game is no longer being developed by CyberConnect, not for the last few years. Um, but it was never really talked about after the afterwards, at least officially, whether or not it would maintain the episodic structure. And we still don't know for sure. So sure. we'll see. The other thing that's kind of interesting about seven specifically as compared to literally every other final fantasy game is that there is a very 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 thick lore i would say the only uh give me that thick mm, lore you know i bought i bought some at the grocery store the other day just some heavy whipping lore and i got it mixed it up into a nice cream got a (laughs) thick heavy lather of lore um but yeah it uh like the only one that comes close is like it's called the uh, now don't tweet at me but I think it's called the Fabula Nova Chrysalis Saga which is like largely like 13 and it's spinoffs and that kind of thing right. and I think technically 15 falls in there too so the only one that okay. would give like 7 a run for its money in like expansiveness would maybe be the 13-15 saga that's been kind of spun um, okay. which I have not followed even remotely closely despite having played like half of both of those games um, but seven has like tons of spinoffs. Seven, there's one called Crisis Core. One, from what I understand, very bad one called Dirge of Cerberus. Um, there's a film called Advent Children. Um, so I'm interested to see if this reimagining takes more of that into account. Um, right. In the sense that like it will send you into some of those more explored and more fleshed out worlds that were made more understood by. Things, or if they're just going to stick strictly to the narrative of Seven. Um, I don't know what they... I mean, indications so far seem to be that it would be the narrative of Seven. Okay. All, all I know is that I saw the, the teaser in the state of play, and there were numbers on the screen, and I'm excited, Jonathan. There were ve- there were variables <laughs> in those shots happening. There were numbers. <laughs> so oh my, my, hope is that, my hope is that it's episodic, and that we will see right. the first episode later this year but that seems optimistic to me but it's possible if it's episodic i think it's possible right right Uh, i mean we'll see yeah final fantasy 15 took about uh 30 years to come out and uh you may not know this the plot to that game hasn't resolved yet so that's like a really cool fun thing that they did yeah i'm not sure what that means so most okay so there is like a main story arc but, like, okay. there is a lot of DLC for that game that weaves, like... Oh, right. And all the DLC got canceled. Yeah, and there is, like, a plot ending. Huh. So, yeah, Final Fantasy fifteen is just broken, is essentially... Weird. Which is a shame because it plays more like a character action game than other Final Fantasy games, which is... Right, it's not turn-based at Yeah, all. which is enjoyable. I mean, I don't actually particularly like the combat in that game very much. Um, but it's more enjoyable than, like, especially if turn-based isn't your thing, right? It's more sure, enjoyable sure. than just trying to sit there. I will say this about 7 on the Switch. Uh, it does have a triple-speed, like, simulator. So that turn-based uh, element, which is normally very slow and a little arduous, is sure. a lot faster now, which is great. Because That's nice. Yeah. A big element of 7's combat is waiting for, like, gauges to charge up so you can attack again. Mm-hmm. Yep. It is much nicer. It's nice to be able to slow it down to a regu- regular speed so you have time to think if you need it. But like For sure. when you're just attacking basic mobs, it's nice to be able to speed that up to triple speed. Yeah, for sure. Especially with a game that I I assume, it's a JRPG, I assume it's going to require a fair amount of grinding. So much grind. Ugh. Yeah, you're not going to want to yeah. be doing that at base speed for very no. long. And the environments in that game are... I'll talk more about the environments and scene and, like, level design of that game. Uh, I'm sure it was cool in 
the 90s, mm-hmm. from what I've seen so far, it's like it's pretty bad actually now. Like oh, it, do- it doesn't hold up super well. So I'm interested to see uh, with the remake if yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk more about that as I get a little deeper in the game because I want to have more of okay. a fully formed okay. opinion. But I'm interested to see what they do Fair. there with the seven remake as well, which is called right. Final Fantasy VII Remake. Just oh. wild. Wait, remake is in the, in title. the title. Yeah, oh, at least okay. at least all Great. marketing and materials seem to suggest that's the case. <laughs> so, yeah, very excited for that. Um, anyway, that, I think that's enough Final Fantasy VII talk for now. I'll, I'll digress. Um, what do you been playing, John? Uh, so I've been playing pretty equal parts of Apex and Far Cry Five. I know we've talked about Apex a fair bit, so I'll just briefly say that as I continue the trend of getting better at the game, like I won a few games this week, I'm just liking the game less still. Really? Which, yeah. Um, it, I mean, it helps being better. Like, you don't get demoralized as often, making you want to play less. But I'm just not having very much fun. So so say I, a little more about that. Is it like a boredom, or is it just like... No, it's it's a constant frustration, basically. Huh. So, so the squad that I'm typically playing with uh, at work, we will... We don't like to drop super hot, so we'll drop kind of medium hot, and drop it like we'll it's medium t- hot was the greatest breakout. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we'll drop into kind of a medium spicy area, and we will, you know, maybe half the time, maybe a little more, we'll win our first fight. We're feeling okay, and we'll head into a next fight, and maybe we'll win that, and then suddenly we're surrounded by three other teams because the game has a confluence of factors that bleed into this problem of if you shoot your gun, you will immediately be descended upon by the entire server to be destroyed. Interesting. And and whoever shows up last to those cluster fights gets to just win basically automatically because they'll be full health, they won't they'll have the better position, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, the game, and I think those factors um, are a map that's arguably too small. Sure. Movement speed that is very fast. Yes. Um, and you can actually hear gunfights pretty far away. So because the, the zone, at least in the first half of each game, basically doesn't matter at all, um, you just are fighting or uh, chasing gunshots and hoping that you are the last team to show up to a cluster fight. And that's, that gets pretty not fun as time goes on. Sure. It gets quite frustrating. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with Apex. I just huh. We're getting better, winning more games, winning more fights, and having less and fun. Which losing is your soul. Unfortunate. Yeah. I, I know that they... They've promised that season two will be discussed at E3, so just in a couple weeks, okay. and that it's supposed to be pretty substantial updates. The one I'm most interested in is map updates. Sure. Um, they say that they were they're going to be making changes to the map. I don't know if that's going to be a Fortnite style, like making a lot of aesthetic and um, geometric changes, um, or if it's or if it's just like tweaks to to loot we don't really know so i'm gonna be interested to see but between now and then i'm not sure i'm gonna be playing it very much anymore because just not having a great time yeah i i fell off it pretty hard because of of similar reasons i'm curious well first of all if they're gonna change that map give me weezer and a volcano and i'll show up to apex i wouldn't do it for fortnite (laughs) but i'll show up to apex weezers and a volcano freaking freaking put them in there see what happens do the the teal album promo um, but no, I was going to ask, obviously neither of us are game designers, at least, you know, not, not professionally. Um, sure. We've, I think we've both dabbled at least a little bit, but what, right. what does this look like to you? What, I, I know you mentioned like the distance you can hear gunshots and like the movement speed and the size of the map. Is the solution here a bigger map? Is it slower movement speed? Is it quieter guns? What do you like? Is it a combination um, of all three of those? What do you think is 
is the I've thought here. I've thought about it a lot. Um, and like I said, I've been going back and forth between Apex and Far Cry 5 in the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I noticed that every time I'm playing Far Cry 5, which is also a first-person uh, game in which you are shooting guns, um, that I want to be doing the movement in Apex. I want to be hitting that left control to and slide. getting a quick slide. Oh, so yeah. clean. I want to be able to vault over things without it being like a specific prompt. Right. And Far Cry 5 is like halfway there. You can you can vault over things depending, but then like other things you just like a chain link fence that is an inch taller than you, you cannot scale <laughs> under any means, which is very strange. It's like even though you're cl- <laughs> clambering up rock faces no problem. It's it's, it's weird, like the walking but... sin thing where it's like there's a bicycle here. Nope, can't go around it. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> and in an open world game, that feels super strange. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I don't think the solution for Apex is to change the movement because oh, it's honestly great. It feels so good. I mean... It feels really good. I, I have played a lot of Destiny 2, uh, mm-hmm. which is essentially like Apex. It has a lot of similar elements, uh, but one of the notable differences is that you have a jetpack in in destiny and honestly i think i would prefer like some of the wall running and i mean it's not like titanfall's wall running but like some of the the straight up wall running and vaulting that you get in apex i think i would prefer that to my destiny jetpack because it feels really good it does it really does yeah the movement in apex feels excellent so yeah i think the solution is probably a bigger map and yeah maybe quieter gunshots because it's really a miserable experience to to have won your hot drop or to this happened several times last night when we were playing we would win we would beat a team and then another team would descend and we would beat them but by the time we finished that fight we were so haggard had no ammo and were trying to heal up and then two more teams would descend upon us and destroy us and it's like there's it almost doesn't even matter how good you are like you're doomed and that's very frustrating yeah the only hmm. <laughs> so if you have a bigger map like uh, a lot of that's alleviated because it just it just won't get there yeah exactly i wonder if a if a solution here is maybe to try and patch in and, and play test some do they have a test server for apex not that I'm I aware of. Probably get one. Just a thought. Uh, <laughs> they're helpful, um, but I, I wonder if maybe playtesting some some mechanics. And this is just me kind of spitballing here. I because I, you described that sequence of like, okay, you take out a squad and then the second squad shows up and you can beat them, but you're like wrecked after that. I wonder yeah. if there was some way of incentivizing like taking out whole squads or or maybe something that, that you know maybe like healing items are a little easier to get at that point or, or something or like maybe like a valor bonus that makes healing items a little more effective or, or something because i imagine that if you could have a game that yeah you you know you talk about apex piranhas where they just keep swimming towards you and and squad after squad after squad wave after wave if there was a any universe in which you could somehow clear all of those waves i imagine that that would actually be a pretty satisfying win um it oh, yeah, sounds like the sure. problem is that the game doesn't have a system to help you even possibly survive that um so again that would be a pretty big balance update but i mean i'd be interested to see what that would look like if somebody storyboarded that and sketched it out right yeah i mean i i can imagine some ways that you could potentially solve it like if you kill an enemy you are full health and full shield sure that would be a pretty huge change but it would at least solve the problem of there being a thousand teams, like a never-ending wave. It's, it's basically a horde mode. Right. <laughs> Which is, feels weird and bad in a battle royale. Sure. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. We'll see. Yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll keep my eyes peeled on that Season 2 stuff they announced at E3. Because Same. E3 is a religious experience for me. Despite, its, despite its luster beginning to fade a little bit. I Definitely, I mean yeah. I have streamed E3 at work before. That was me last year. Like just my second mm-hmm. screen is entirely occupied by press conferences. Um, nice. I have streamed. I streamed the game awards from inside the middle school I was cleaning last year. 
Uh, these Perfect. these are big deals for me. I like these a lot. So yeah, yeah agreed, I, agreed. I, I I tend to keep an eye on them as as live as I possibly can. So I'm very interested to see what they have to say. Me too. We shall see. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I've been playing a lot of Far Cry Five. I uh, last weekend, I felt like playing a game, but I couldn't really pin what I wanted to play. And I decided I just wanted to play some really schlocky, <laughs> mediocre, AAA open world game. Oh. And so I bought I bought Far Cry 5 for $20 on the PC. That's very and, good. And it's been exactly as I expected, which is to say, fine, but not great. That's, that was UB Montreal, right? I'm, I'm not sure. Um... It could be. I mean, it's one of the Ubisoft studios. Giving but... it the old Google. Yeah. Um, yeah, UB Montreal, Shanghai, Reflections, Toronto, Ukraine, and Red Storm, but headed up by Montreal. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, as far as like the minute-to-minute gameplay, the game is way too frenetic. So the world is divided into three zones, and you liberate each zone one by one. Um before you have liberated a zone, the 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 game takes place in Montana, right. a fictional county. I believe it's a fictional county called Hope County. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, the the sort of understanding is that this is pretty rural, and it it visually it is pretty rural, um, but. If you're in an unliberated zone just walking down the street, there will be, like, dozens of patrol cars driving by you. There will be tons of resistance fighters. There's just people everywhere. There's something constantly happening. And in a way that feels not good. Like, you don't want to go too far the other way and have nothing going on, obviously. But I'm playing on hard, and... Um, sometimes I'd just be walking down the street and three or four, um, random events would happen all simultaneously. So like, uh, a plane, an enemy plane would spot me from the air and start gunning me down while a patrol car with a machine gun pulls up while a prisoner van is driving by while a resistance group descends. So just completely out of nowhere. So does the game benefit from that frenetic energy or do you just get wiped? No. No, you, it maybe if you're playing on easy and you're just kind of cleaning up, but I can't imagine that it's fun because it's incoherent. Sure. Like when you, you see these individual random events and mechanics happen, they are fine and they make sense. Um, but when they are happening, literally overlapping, it feels exhausting and not in, I was going to say not in a good way. Not that exhausting is ever really in a good way, but... I mean, that depends on which game studio leads you talk to, because some say crunch is good, from what I understand. Oh, dear. Uh, Gotta go fast. Like... (laughs) You... it, It... I guess what I mean by not in a good way is sometimes, like, something, you know, really over the top, something really wild will happen, and... And when you come out the other end, you're like, wow, that was intense. Well, that was pretty cool. It does not feel like that. It just feels like an absolute mis- mishmash of of uh, content types that don't mesh well together. Like, there are civilians um, all throughout the world, obviously. And uh, they're always friendly to you unless you shoot at them. And this is a great example. So... There are prisoner vans. Um, the cult uh, that has taken over this county will be driving around prisoners in vans. And you can you know, shoot the guy or somehow get the guy outside of the vehicle, the, the driver. And then you can free um, the people he was, he was kidnapping. Sure. But, if, but sometimes if you – and by sometimes I mean like 99% of the time. If you shoot the driver and open the door – those guys will freak out because you shot near them. Even if you never hit them and were obviously rescuing them, the game just has no real concept. 
And so they run away, and then they'll run away and get mauled by a bear that was hiding in the what? weeds next to a road. Like, oh, I com- I forgot to mention the wildlife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> there are just there are bears and cougars and wolves everywhere, even in main roads. They'll just pop out and murder you and murder civilians. It's <sighs> a very wolfish the- environment. So wolfish indeed, you can indeed. hardly bear it. Yeah, it's difficult to convey just how incoherent and overwhelming the game is for like 60% of the time you're playing it. Like once you've cleared a zone, you get like 90% fewer uh, of those random enemy encounters. And then the game feels uh, like a normal open world (laughs) game. But... Uh, there's only three zones and once you beat the three zones you beat the game so that getting to a point where you have beaten a zone is not like the, the the amount of time you spend in that zone afterwards is much shorter compared to the amount of time you spent in it before sure so it's and i haven't even mentioned just how toothless this game is when it comes to trying to say anything about religious fundamentalism in the United States or about oh preppers. It, it it turns prepper culture into game mechanics in some interesting ways. Like you find prepper stashes and bunkers all over the world that have, you know, good loot for you, which is kind of interesting. And they're usually puzzles that they're, like small even smaller versions of like zelda shrines almost which is you know somewhat interesting um but like literally you begin the game by getting saved by a good religious fundamentalist prepper not one of those bad ones it's uh, the game takes you know very limp weak jabs at like hippie liberals it it it, it has no desire to call anyone specifically out. It just, like, glazes over, like, a, oh, you know, those other guys, we don't like them. Whoever that might mean to you, dear player. Sure. It's very strange. Uh, but that that's just in the gameplay. So that, that will be in NPC dialogue, people you're just running into in the world. That's in mission design and structure, like I said, with the prepper stashes. But that is not even remotely true in the cutscenes, which are all super intense, super over the top, trying to convince you that this cult is like unreal creepy and totally out of their minds. But the disconnect between that and how the game fundamentally conveys its messages and themes in its gameplay and in its minute to minute open world interactions are so unconnected that it just feels gross and bad. It's just, yeah. ugh. I mean, I, I made a joke earlier about the Division 2's political themes and stances, right. but, I right. mean, this is a this is a Ubisoft thing, um, specifically right. to, to, I mean, to yep. generalize here, to specifically take, right. like, bad politics, frankly. Um, right. Well, to be predicated on... Things that are inherently uh, political, politically charged, and not in like a small way. Like when they're talking about this new division game and how you're fighting a literal private drone army that is being supported by a well-meaning Silicon Valley company, like that, uh, that's extremely political. Yes. But instead they get to be like, well, it's not really because that is just how the premise is but the rest of the game will be remarkably and almost unbelievably toothless so it's not political which (laughs) they're both right and incredibly wrong in both the worst ways yes you uh you keep saying toothless with regard to their their stances and all i can think is the dragon from how to train your dragon (laughs) (laughs) it's a great point which is just but when you think about that in relation to a game's politics it is a very funny way of thinking about it indeed Um, yeah that's a that's unfortunate though Um, right but as far as like a 
you know, a junk food kind of open world triple sure. A game. It's fun. Like, cool. yeah, that's fine. Uh, you're, you know, you're flying planes around in and crashing them into mountains in rural Hope County, Montana. Like it, it's just very strange. So I'm, I'm about two thirds through. I've cleared two of the districts. Cool. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll report back on the ending next week, next podcast, but not optimistic. <laughs> Good to hear. Not optimistic. Yeah. Love to hear that. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Well, let's, I do have a little bit more to talk about as far as the, the politics of Far Cry 5. And that is uh, something okay. that I have found, Jonathan. So in in your discussion, I decided to find out if Hope County, Montana was a real place. Um, and I, I found a something. I found a thing. And I dropped you a link in the Discord. Uh, okay, I'll check uh, in, it out. In your DMs. The, this link will be in the show notes. This is visithopecounty.com, uh, which I thought was like kind of a... Uh, a really fun marketing stunt for huh. Far Cry 5 to be doing, right? Like, oh, like, let's fictionalize, like, a Parks and Recreation Department for Hope County. No, as it turns out, right. this is southwestmontana.com, the Parks and Recreation Department of Southwest Montana. Their marketing yeah. arm is pushing, come visit Hope County, uh, which I love because here's here's their line. Very interesting. Hope County may be fictitious, but the mountains, rivers, and wildlife that inspired Far Cry 5 are very very real and based on the landscape of southwest montana dig deeper into the visually stunning scenery that backdrops the game and plan your own montana huh. adventure in the quote last best place close quote uh this is very good because this has reached wow. uh two gamers i think and that is you and i um i do not think that this is a an appeal that is reaching many far cry 5 fans uh but perhaps not. i love the idea that this is here it makes me Oh my goodness. If you click on activities, the header image is just a screenshot from Far Cry 5. Wait, really? This is so weird. Yeah. Click on activities, the dog <laughs> and the fishing guy. Like, I've been to that place. That is, I mean, that is beautiful, though. Yeah. I mean, for what it's worth, the game is, is, is very nice looking. No question. Um, oh, no. Southwest Montana. Yeah. What have you done? With only 150,000 residents spread over 21,097 square miles, there's no better place for a mountain adventure or river expedition. Southwest Montana is known for outdoor adventure. Okay. Now we're going to get a little weird here with our metaphors. Whether you prefer a day of leisurely hiking or an afternoon on the water, there is something for everyone here in the outdoor mecca that is Hope County. (laughs) Oh, no. Here's the thing. First of all, outdoor mecca is a bad metaphor. (laughs) um second like for numerous reasons um Mm -hmm. second hope county is not a real place but here they are saying come to hope county that is not real man it is so weird yeah all their imagery on the site is mixing screenshots and actual images this is very true i'm gonna click off-road vehicle adventure and see what we've got Oh, that looks like a photo. I was desperately hoping it would be a screenshot, though. Just like a prison van rolling through. So interesting. Yeah, but anyway, the game is beautiful for what it's worth. And Um, apparently Hope County, Montana is the real place that actually exists. I believe it. Come visit it. (laughs) (laughs) This is great. That's so weird. (laughs) I love it so much. It's like the best, worst thing that can happen. Like, if this is like if a video game developer was in charge of PR for a state it's very good pretty much very very good uh, pretty much anyway uh yeah well hopefully that this game doesn't ruin you um in the next week yeah. and that i'm interested to hear about how it's it's politics i i know far cry 5 has a pretty uh shall we say dynamic ending so oh okay uh, yeah i'm very interested to hear your take on that um and and kind of your thoughts as far as how do the politics hold through the end right so i'm looking forward to to having you finish it same well, the pod... Uh, you've been playing anything Yeah, else? the pod is running long, so I'll only talk about one of my other two things. I'll let you okay. pick. We can talk... I want to hear about No Man's yeah, Sky, Yeah, all right, because sure. The Sims 4 is the other one, and it was a bad experience. Um, uh, rip. Hmm. Let's just say my sim, Dr. Spider Monkey, may have accidentally ended up kidnapping a woman inside of his house, which was filled entirely with <laughs> panda lamps. Yes, panda lamps, you oh, heard me. You hate to hear it. Uh, I had also forgotten to... Uh, shall we say erect a toilet in said bathroom 
Um, and apparently Sims can just wet themselves. And I did not mean, I promise I did not mean to accidentally delete all the doors and imprison that woman, that married woman in Dr. Spider Monkey's home. Uh, well, I mean, with a name like Dr. Spider Monkey, uh, who, who could never do anything wrong? Yeah, obviously. I mean, he did have pink hair and gray flesh, but, you know, he was just a good guy, great friend. Good guy yeah, so friend. ultimately a, a very humorous experience, maybe not the most fun uh, gaming moment for me. I, have, I found that game very uncompelling and very poorly tutorialized, I guess will be my brief blurb on The Sims 4. Let's talk okay. No Man's okay. Sky, which you'll notice I have highlighted in yellow, um, which I had a pretty Indeed. good experience with. Uh, okay. But... So I, I should mention, I was very excited for No Man's Sky when it first came out. Uh, I My Same. brother and I purchased it as a launch title, actually. Like, on launch oh, day, okay. we, we were there to buy No Man's Sky. Like a lot of people, actually. Uh, yeah, I mean, the game sold very, very well. What's interesting about No Man's Sky, for those who maybe don't remember the phenomenon, is, like, there was a fear we would not get a copy when we went to Walmart that day. Yeah. Like, that was that was a thing that ha- that happened. Um and then a very, very bizarre, like, unlike anything I've ever seen, uh, people returning the game and people trying to, like, a large movement to return the game and, like, to try yeah. and return the digital copies that had been purchased and so on. Um, just, like, a very odd resurgence o- over a game. Essentially, the, the, the idea was that it was not what it had sold itself to be, uh, a concept I actually disagreed with from the start. The game pitched itself as a, a open world space, a, a very open world <laughs> space, space survival game. And uh, it was that. It was a very large, very open world, very boring space survival game. Um, right. Uh, which, for somebody who's never been allured by survival games, we talked a little bit about my terror with Subnautica earlier this year. Uh, I don't think we've discussed my experience with Minecraft, but that's not great either. I don't like these games, speaking generally. But okay. No Man's Sky has received several content updates over the last couple of years, and I was interesting to see how it has aged. Um, and the answer is well, uh, very well, actually. So it is a significantly better, more engaging, and more fun game than it was when it launched. In fact, it's borderline right. unrecognizable to the game that launched, uh, which is cool. Yeah. The Because gor- you're, you're playing with expansions, mm-hmm. yeah? Yeah. Is there? I mean, I don't think you can't yeah they were all free you know what i mean so right 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 so yeah by not by my own choice i am playing with the expansions which was the the intent in fishing out that old blu-ray disc from my parents house and and putting it in and and trying to play this game i wanted to see uh kind of what the changes are now i may just not be remembering the game i could have sworn this game was first person at launch uh it's third person now in fact, uh-huh. I'm going to Google and see. Yeah, it was definitely first person. Yeah. And you still can play it in first. But it's yeah, better, it's better is... in third. Really? Yeah, huh. I, I liked it a lot more. Um, Good to know. Yeah, it was definitely in in first because the idea was that you didn't know what you looked like. And so there was like a big thing like, what if somebody did run into somebody else? Uh, what right, would they right, look right. like? The answer is they don't even spawn in the world. <laughs> Which is great. They do now with a updated group mode that you can play online with friends and spawn with the exact same planet. Um, I My big issue with this game is I expected my experience with the game to be a little bit more than it was. Uh, and so I booted up on essentially medium difficulty and just got destroyed. Um, which is frustrating. There were some parts of it that were really cool. So booting up on easy, they just kind of put you on a docile planet and task you with repairing your ship to get away right right. Uh, the game is much better tutorialized now than it was at launch which is great Uh, very easy Mm -hmm. to follow very easy to play Uh, the thing with medium difficulty is that it spawns you on a radioactive or frozen or hot planet so you're you're immediately tasked with not only um, are you trying to repair your ship but you also need to get certain materials to like power your suits radioactive defenses that come built in but you know like it's still, it right. can be a little bit stressful, right? Uh, I didn't have a huge ton of difficulty with that. Where my big problem with this game comes in is in its combat, which is bad. 
<laughs> okay, I didn't even know there was combat. Yeah, yeah. So speaking generally, you'll there are some hostile animals that you'll run into. Okay. Uh, those aren't the main threat. There are orbs essentially. Do you remember Wheatley? You played Portal Two. You remember yeah. Wheatley? Picture like sure. a trillion Wheatleys. Um, ah, that's not what you want to hear. <laughs> it's really it's not that many, but here's what happens: if you mine certain planets, which on medium uh, difficulty are early planets, right? This isn't like a late okay. game thing. If you mine on certain planets, a sentinel will come up and begin scanning you. If you continue to mine while you, you are being scanned, they will attack. Uh, which is fine. And I think that, would, that could be great if this game had anything good resembling a shooting mechanic. Like, you have a mining laser, not a weapon. You can upgrade it to what's called a bolt caster, which is essentially like a gun. Uh, but man, uh-huh. the way that those sentinels move, it's not great. So, like, even with the laser, it's very hard to keep track of those enemies, and they hit hard. So, that's bad enough. There's also a level of ship combat, which is just terrible. Um, Yeah, could have been interesting, could have been fun. The... Any ship that you may, at least again, this is my experience on like the medium difficulty, but you'd think that would be a fairly average experience. Um, mm-hmm. The ships that I encountered flew far faster than my reticle was able to track. And my main strategy, the only way that I was able to actually get shots off at them, was to stop my ship and rotate and fire at them, which made okay, me a sitting yeah. duck. So right. that I. I mean, I never beat one ship in combat, let alone if, if huh. I like, was encountered by two. The best strategy that I was able to do is to fly down and land on the nearest planet. The problem were these is, were these NPCs? Yes. Or... Yes. This okay. is not a, a PvP. So you'll it'll say something like, "Oh, you've been found by pirates, right?" Or uh, okay. "You've been found by like the lawkeeping organization of this star system." The problem is is that those enemies have the power to inhibit your pulse engine. So your pulse engine is essentially like your warp drive. Um, okay. Which you can use to just blast across star systems at ridiculous speed. The problem is, if you if you need to get to another planet, you'll turn on your pulse engine and start flying, and as you leave orbit, it'll say you've been stopped by a law-keeping organization, like you have to fight them. Oh. And that stops your pulse engine. So it's like... Shoot them down or get shot down. Right. Forces you into right. combat. Um, and that is, like, that's bad. Like, um, especially where the ship combat is difficult, just from a mechanical standpoint, this isn't about me not being able to get in enough hits. I mean, it is about that, but it's not like, oh, I'm not doing sure, enough sure, damage. Sure. It's like, no, the way that this ship combat is designed makes it very difficult to hit. There's not a good lock-on mechanism, at least not that I was able to find. Right. And the ships fly far too fast to realistically hit. Um, hmm. So yeah, that uh, my experience with No Man's Sky started out as this really fun, like, oh, I'm going to explore radioactive planets and, and do my best to survive. The only time I've ever felt compelled in any meaningful way by a survival game was playing this game, which was really cool. Um, because again, I'm trying to repair my ship, but also trying to not die. Sometimes that means hiding right. out in a cave. Sometimes that means finding some sodium crystals to recharge my pack. Uh, extremely fun, extremely frustrating to not be able to leave the second planet I landed on. Like, uh, like I was yeah. locked there. One, like, I never had an experience where I took off and there wasn't a ship waiting to shoot me down. Which was like, I don't know, because it's all procedurally generated, right? So I don't know if that, yeah. that one is just procedurally generated with a lot of law enforcement on it. Um, yeah, perhaps. Yeah. But, yeah. Because, I, I mean, your experience is not one that I've can say that i've heard much of yeah that's uh, that that sort of like extremely stuck in the early game i know it gets it happens to people a lot in the later game sure Um, but that's like a little more expected but yeah second planet i got second so after about two and a half hours i was like you know i i've seen this game it's a great game it's still a survival game it's not for me um i'm sure there are if you were intrigued by the concept and you think that it just didn't have enough there when you played it or when you saw early stuff, I'd, I'd encourage people to check it out. Like, it's fun. Uh, I just was incredibly turned off by getting locked on that planet. I Not fun. Not fun. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, it's a game 
I'm super interested in playing it. I've been interested from day one. Just haven't ever pulled the trigger. But now that I've heard a VR mode is coming, <gasps> I've decided that's when I'm going to get in. Yeah, that's cool. I did not know that that was coming. That's... Yeah, it's uh, supposed to be part of the big summer update, I think, next month. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I, I may or may not play it on the PSVR. I'm hoping to get a PC-based VR solution at some point in the nearish future. But... Uh, and that would be the game. Like, wow. uh, I would be super into it. So we'll we'll see. Yeah, I will say this about No Man's Sky: the dedication that Hello Games has put toward making that game worth playing, yeah. despite the massive backlash they got at launch, is per- great. Yeah. Impressive. And I'm glad they did because. For a lot, a lot of people, the game is in a really great position now, which is awesome. Man. Steven Totillo over at Kotaku, he's the editor over there, has written a great article on No Man's Sky VR, headlined, I played No Man's Sky VR and almost punched Sean Murray in the face, which is (laughs) just wonderful. This VR looks awesome. So I... Yeah, apparently it's it's the exact same game, top to bottom which is what you want to hear. You wouldn't want it to be like a separate isolated experience. Yeah. So we'll see. I wonder if they're doing like a teleporter thing like they did with Skyrim. They, they should. I mean, Skyrim also has like a free walk mode, which the last time I played it, I used that and I did feel a teeny bit more sick, but the game was more fun to play. (laughs) No, I imagine no man's sky wouldn't be too frustrating with teleporting controls. Other than that potential ship combat. Oh. Right. Well, cockpits are, are pretty doable in, in VR. They, yeah. They normally don't make people feel feel sick. So ship combat might actually be way better in VR. Does is Are they releasing a VR game or is it a VR mode? I think it's just a mode in the base game. Like cool. if you own No Man's Sky, you own No Man's Sky VR. Well, but I'm not 100% uh, sure. What we should do... Well, we should come together. I'll just drive up with my copy of No Man's Sky. We'll plug it into your PlayStation, and we'll see what happens once that launches. I'm I'd in. love to see this. I'm in. So, yeah, I, I, I need to check. I, I'm pretty sure it is coming to PSVR, but I guess I don't it know is. for certain. Okay, uh, cool. It, it says that it looks more grainy in PSVR. Oh, I'm sure. But, <laughs> yep. It also poses some nausea risks. That's cool, uh, naturally. Um, but it, Yeah, I mean, VR always does. Here's an interesting quote from Sean Murray. He said, exploration is what the game's about, and exploration is more interesting in VR. You can get vertigo. You yeah, can stand no at the question. top of a mountain and feel like you've got a real view. You can be in that cave and yeah. feel claustrophobic. That lifts the whole game experience. Uh, I'm very excited to see it. Same. Great. Uh, man, I think that that's going to do it for us right that's an episode yeah man uh uh i'm curious what do you have on tap you're gonna play some more far cry anything else on on your radar right now um i've been eyeing dead cells for Mm, months sure really been wanting to dig into it that will probably be my next game cool i i'm gonna be playing a game called observation Ah, I've yeah, heard of this. Seems the follow-up cool. to Stories Untold, where you, it's a essentially a space sim where it's like, oh, the AI is on the ship and it's interacting with the AI to to survive, kind of like a, a HAL nine thousand from Space Odyssey, that kind of situation. Uh, just the AI is good, and you play the AI, uh, which is a little bit different of a take on that. Um, sure, I, I've yeah. heard. I, I, so I picked it up on the Epic Game Store, which right now is offering a $10 off sale on literally anything you can buy uh, paid for yeah, by Epic. Nice. So this game is brand new and I was able to get it for like 12 bucks, which is great. It's um, awesome. But the, uh, so that's why I picked it up. We'll see. I've heard that it doesn't, it, it could be more interesting um, with okay. some of its themes. Like it doesn't really explore the, the possibility of you being a bad AI at all or anything like that. Um, I also just got Stories Untold for free, so if I like what I see in Observation, maybe I will play that as well. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I'm looking at right now. Nice. 
So yeah, lots of lots of good games. The games are good right now. Dis- the, yeah, they are. Like there hasn't bad. <laughs> there haven't been too many like big heavy hitters new releases in the last you know month or two. Um, but it's yeah, I've been catching up on some games that I either wanted to play or were interested in playing. We can say with Far Cry Five. So yeah, it's been a good time. Nice. I uh, I've been keeping up on my Epic Games free game release line uh and so uh, a couple months ago i got transistor uh which is a game i've wanted to play for a very long time so that is also on my list the game the catch-up games are good right now that's what i will say indeed so yeah that's uh that's that's where i'm at well i would like to thank brian altano weird he for the use of their track nostalgia it's good 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 Uh, where can people find you on social media uh, you can find me trying to find myself on Twitter at Logan Matthew four oh one. Link to that page in the show notes. Where are you at, John? I'm at Jonathan Nielsen, and uh, yeah, it's gonna do it for us. All right. Well, thanks for listening to that odious beast gaming. I'm gonna go back to my old sign off. Keep your hearts and your eyes open. <laughs> Peace. Peace.